Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy along with my partner for the podcast, but also my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's so great to be back at our kitchen table. And today we're going to have a fun episode. Uh, Sean, I lobbied so hard to talk about the Royals. Um, and you don't enjoy the Royals as much and Not the whole Meghan Markle scandal. But it is it is top news. We're going to do that. We're going to be joined by two very, very intellectual people who are going to talk to us about the Royals. Um, we're going to be having Tammy Bruce a little later on, um, a Fox News contributor. But we're going to start with Molly Hemingway, who is the chief editor, the editor in chief, I should say, um, at The Federalist. And she's also a Fox News contributor. And she is the author of a great book called Rigged about the 2020 election. Um, and I think that book is more relevant now than ever in the wake of the new um Information we've gathered, Sean, from Mark Zuckerberg admitting that the FBI told them to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, which you and I have always said was the basis um, for how the election got rigged. It's the only thing that made sense to us. Well, so listen, let's welcome Molly Hemingway to From the Kitchen Table. Molly, good to be with you. It's great to be here with you. So, Molly, first off. I, you can tell who wears the pants in my family that I'm stuck doing a show on Meghan Markle and Harry. Um, I do not like this story, but Rachel says we do it. So you know what? We do it. So I, I know we're going to talk about that. But b- before we do that, because we have you on the podcast and, and you wrote the book, awesome book, Rigged, I just want to initially just get your take on what's happened with the the revelation from Mark Zuckerberg that the FBI came to Facebook and in essence said there's going to be Russian disinformation that comes out. And miraculously, right after the Hunter Biden laptop story drops on uh, the New York Post. Um, and, and again, it's that, that, that's what the backdrop of all of the other politics we've seen inside the FBI and the DOJ. Just before we go into the hard-hitting topic of Mary, uh, Meghan Markle, just give us your take on what we've seen in the news recently. Well, Yes. And thanks for mentioning the book. The sub the subtitle of the book is so it's rigged how the media, big tech and Democrats seized our elections. Mm. So it covers everything from all the changes to election laws and how some of those were done in an unconstitutional manner, how big tech like censors all the most effective conservative voices and how they elevate certain information and they hide other information and then how the media have 
run with fake news. And I actually put in there a lot about the Hunter Biden story, because to me, that is so emblematic of how big tech and the media and Democrats conspire together to create an environment where you're where it directly affects and meddles in our elections. And so this news from Mark Zuckerberg, we already knew that they were suppressing this information and they were doing it in a very horrible manner. But learning that the FBI really ran an operation, you know, they went to all these big tech companies and they told them to be on the lookout for information. Then you had all those people who were in the intelligence agencies who claimed to believe that it was Russian disinformation. I actually think they were lying. I don't think anyone for even a moment thought it was Russian disinformation. I agree. But they worked together and it was that one-two punch to directly meddle in U.S. elections. You can't have free and fair elections when the FBI is telling these powerful companies what information can and can't be shared that affects how people vote. It's just a horrible situation. It's a huge crisis for the country and it should be dominating all of our news. Just in one one last follow-up again before we go to Meghan Markle. I, no, I, I, I have a follow-up on her too. Okay. Because I can't, go ahead, Sean. And okay, so I two follow-ups. I'm going to be quick, but this, this is what I think the strategy now is on the left. And again, it, it does involve the FBI, which has been politicized. That's a whole topic onto itself. But you see that the media now is willing to lie about stories or run with what they should know are fake stories that would undermine their credibility, but will help Democrats out. And so, I mean, you even think back to the to the Russia collusion story that the media ran with for four years that ended up being false. They should be embarrassed by that. But on the correction of the story that actually this was Hillary Clinton and a Democrat dossier that started the story and you had leftists inside the DOJ and the FBI that ran with it and leaked on it, people don't not, I mean, again, a lot of conservatives know that was a fake story, but many Americans still think that Donald Trump colluded with Russia. So the media and Democrats have accomplished the goal of sullying President Trump, and they'll do this with other people as well with their fake stories. Because they run with the fake story, but the correction is never heard by the masses like the fake story was, as reported by liberal outlets. Well, they should be viewed as co-conspirators in these efforts to control conservative discourse. And what really troubles me now, I mean, yes, we did eventually find out that the Russia collusion hoax was created by Hillary Clinton, that it was weaponized by our powerful law enforcement agencies, and that it was disseminated through compliant media. But it took years to figure that out. And as you note, you still have, I think, a majority of Democrats who believe that Donald Trump stole the 2016 election. So what bothers me now, though, is that there's another operation going on to meddle in the November elections by raiding Mar-a-Lago and having all of this drama about what is at best a paperwork dispute. And you still have people saying, oh, the New York Times has a leak from this. And so we have to take it seriously. And the Washington Post has an anonymous source saying this, you do not need to ever listen to those publications ever again, except to know that they're running operations against the American people. So other media outlets that haven't destroyed their credibility should never say, well, the New York Times is reporting. They don't report. They just do propaganda, and you should treat them that way 100% of the time. Molly, what now? I mean, how do I go back to get you know all these 80 million people? How do we go back to get our 2020 election back? I mean, this is like the biggest fraud I've ever seen. I, I cannot, I still can't so, believe this has happened. I can't believe people aren't protesting on the streets. I mean, look at all the protests we had 
over George Floyd. I mean, this is so much more consequential in terms of our democracy. Yes, it's also true that throughout our country's history, we have had to work to improve the integrity of our elections. And the mm -hmm. way to move forward is just that, fix the problems, look for other ways that people are meddling in elections and fix those as well. I mean, it was not that long ago that the Democrat Party disenfranchised a complete race of people in the South and it affected all sorts of elections. And people didn't say, I'm never voting again, or I'm, you know, I'm, I don't know what to do. They just worked to fix the system and make it better. And that actually has been happening nationwide. People are taking much more interest in making sure that our elections are secure, that they're, you know, it's not perfect, but they're getting them there. They're doing better oversight. Um, people on the left cared about election administration for decades, whereas people on the right didn't. But now it looks like people on the right have finally realized they need to care about it, at, you know, at least somewhat. And they're working to make sure they do good oversight and improve the integrity of, of the systems. And what they want to do is broadly popular. I mean, you take something like a photo ID with, with ballots. Mm -hmm. That's an issue that 85% of the country agrees is a good idea that you should have a photo ID linked to voting. And so these are not extreme ideas, no matter how much Joe Biden calls them, you know, Jim Crow no. 2.0. It's actually nearly universal. Everybody thinks our election should be secure. And, and the problem with yeah, that though, is way, that Democrats are still pushing this idea, I think it was HR1 in the House, that we want to federalize elections and get rid of voter ID. I mean, again, and, and I agree with you, I've seen the polling myself, that a vast majority of Americans think that secure elections are one person, one vote, and you get that by showing an ID, verifying who you are. Again, uh, it's also globally, uh, you know, popular. I mean, most Western countries require a, a photo ID and there's no talk about racism um, when it comes to that. So I love your optimism on this. I think that's the right way, um, especially as conservatives, to be optimists about America and about our ability to reform and improve our system. Um, and I, I always love that about you. I, I wonder if you have the same optimism for the monarchy. Uh, <laughs> do, do you feel? <laughs> Let's get to the hard-hitting topic here, the, the, the issues that are really affecting America. We have, the, we have probably one of the most intelligent voices in conservatism, and, and this is <laughs> what I think we should talk about. Um, honestly, Molly, what do you make of this? Because I'm, I, I'm fascinated. It's like I, I can't stand Meghan Markle. And yet I'm so drawn to all of her crazy stuff. And this, the fact that I know I'm not alone. I mean, her, her Spotify podcast that she was getting paid a gazillion dollars for, never did one, uh, a podcast. Um, and then she finally does one with Serena Williams. This archetype type is the name of her podcast. And to give her credit where credit's due, she beat Joe Rogan. Well, I am kind of different than a lot of American women in that I really don't like the monarchy. My husband is always joking that we fought a war so that we wouldn't have to be subjected to a monarchy. So like every time our daughters want to watch like a princess wedding or something, he's he's railing about how we fought a war to, so that we wouldn't have to watch the wedding. But I do like, you know, I do like the drama. I do like the story. And I had a secret hope that when Meghan Markle married Prince Harry, that she was kind of an American sleeper agent. Like this would be our way to <laughs> have an American American take over the whole thing. But she has she has affected the royal family in a deeply American way. But unfortunately, it's in our worst instincts. Like she's so emotional. She's so the center of the story. She so feels entitled rather than 
um, in any way respectful of this family. And it's like our worst traits on display. And it, it just makes me cringe every time I read an interview, every time I see her latest drama. And it's not just her, by the way. I think Prince Harry is actually the really bad one. And I've always thought he was kind of the bad, the, the, the less um, the less likable brother. Prince William seems so distinguished. He marries a lovely wife. They seem to understand how family works and that they're not the center of the story. Prince Harry has always kind of been a problem. Oh, I think that's so true. It's such an interesting thing. And you're, uh, you're right about this, uh, what, what she's brought to the table in terms of her own background. Yes, as an American, yes, as a biracial woman, which by the way, she keeps talking about, you know, the babies and the, and the, the, the press, you know, who called, you know, who she's trying to protect her kids because they called them the N-word. And I'm like, they're whiter than my babies. I'm really confused. And I really don't understand what, what that's all about. I've also found Molly very interesting that her own family trolls her. So on when she, on the day of her wedding, I don't know if you remember these interesting photos, her family on the day of her wedding, she tried to, of course, erase this part of her life. She didn't invite them only her mother was invited to the wedding and her family back here in America went to Burger King and they came out of Burger King restaurant, a fast food restaurant wearing the crowns, the Burger King crowns. Um, and her father has famously taken the side of the queen and the monarchy and has called out her daughter for being very selfish. What do you make of that? I actually don't like that. I think that even if your daughter or your father, whoever is in your family, even if they're a royal pain in the neck, you never go public with any of this. You should always be discreet and you should always defend your own family. And maybe part of the reason why she is such a mess is because she doesn't have the most supportive family. Um, but I don't. Yeah. Was she supportive of them though? Because that's the other accusation against her, right? That she's been embarrassed of them and, and has tried to push them off um, and not let them be in the public eye with her. But like, to take a different, this is a wildly sure. different example, but I wrote a book also with Carrie Severino on the Kavanaugh confirmation mm -hmm. and the, the primary accuser of Kavanaugh, her family by all reports didn't actually believe her story, but they never said that publicly. You know, they never weighed in really one way or the other. They just would say like when the media would call and say, you're not being very supportive of your daughter. They would say, we love our daughter. We support her, but they wouldn't weigh in on the actual drama. I think that's a that's much true. better way to go, even when your daughter or, you know, a family member is causing problems or, you know, putting bad stuff out there about you. I don't know. I just think family loyalty is very important, which is also the whole problem with Megan and right. Harry. They're constantly disparaging. Yeah, I'm sure their family is totally messed up. I'm sure they're emotionally distant and all these problems, but this is not, it's just so gross to see the low rent way in which they are peddling gossip and drama to any publication that will help them out. You know, Molly, I, I, it's interesting because I don't like these people very much. And I don't follow them <laughs> like you guys do. Um, and I was kind of having some joy that there was a family food fight. And I, you make up a really good point. I, I don't like that either, actually. I, I think that, you know, good people should say, you know what, that's not what families do. Um, and we shouldn't encourage it when it happens. And we should celebrate those who stick by their family, even when they don't want to. Um, and again, we see this, the, the, the separation of families, the government trying to separate our kids from their parents. And this is a good example to go, you know what, maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you, sh maybe you should support your daughter. And maybe she might be a little saner if, if you actually did. 
I like that. Exactly. I do want to say I had a favorite point from this interview that the whole reason we're talking, you know, she had this big interview in the cut. It was a very sycophantic interview, but she tells a story in there about how, um, how supportive certain people were of her. And she says there was a South African actor yes. <laughs> on stage in London. And he said that when, when it was announced that Harry was marrying her, there was uh, parading in the streets of Johannesburg or something like that at the same level as when Nelson Mandela was freed from prison. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have a huge doubt that this story was ever told. Like, obviously it never, it never happened. Nothing like this ever happened, but I don't even believe that the story was told, but if the story was told that she lacks the self-awareness to know that's a made up story that should never be repeated is just amazing to me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it does say so much about her. And also, you know, uh, and I know you have to go, Molly, so I'm going to give you this this last one. And you can kind of wrap it up um, with, with how you wanted to. But her whole thing was, you know, we really are, we're so woke. Um, we, we're, we're so concerned about the environment, for example, that we're only going to have two kids, but we live in this ginormous, you know, $14 million Montecito home um, with heated pools and, and all this stuff. So it's, it's just so much hypocrisy. Flying private jets. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 yes, exactly. Flying the private jets. I mean, it, there is just so much narcissism about her. And I think you're right in that Harry does get off a little bit on this, um, you know, Megxit even the name Megxit um, implies that she was the only one and he was somehow, you know, a hostage victim in this. How do you see this all going? You know, Donald Trump predicted that this marriage wouldn't last. Um, where do you see the marriage, but also what happens with the family dynamics? Because in that same interview you talked about, Molly, there was sort of an illusion, you know, a little bit of a conflict about something she said. She's countering um, the, the monarchy is, 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 is saying something else, but it, it implies that there was a break between Harry and his father. So where does this all go for Harry, the marriage and the family at large? Again, Harry has been, has a history of making bad decisions and pretty much everything these last few years follows that path. I, again, in this interview, she is, they, they describe her as a working mom. They're painting her as this housewife in Montecito who's raising two kids. And I do not begrudge her her wealth at all. I think it's awesome. So, yeah. you know, fairy tale to marry a prince and all that. And they have many staff who help them take care of everything. And that's great. But they're running this whole aggrieved PR campaign that just doesn't match with the reality of their lives. Like, it's so annoying that we have so many celebrities talking about how oppressed they are. Like Lizzo talking about how oppressed she is while she's right. flying around on private jets and has tons of money and she's got a lot of success. And that's a credit to her work ethic and her skill and talent and everything. But to then claim that they're so aggrieved, I just don't see that. It's, it's already tiresome. It's been tiresome for years. I don't know how long they can continue doing that. I wish for them that they could take joy in their family, take joy in their marriage, take joy in all the gifts God has given them and kind of create a new way of being that's not so focused on how the world has harmed them. It's annoying when anybody does it, when actual members of the royal family are claiming they're oppressed. It's just kind of disgusting. But, you know, so, Megan, yeah. uh, that's, that's a really good point because I, I think, Molly, when you look and say, listen, I, I li I'm living the American dream. 
And these are the things you, may, you mentioned. The Lizzo. These are the things <laughs> that I've done British. that got me here um, and allowed me to live this kind of life. And maybe, you know, maybe you can't marry a prince, but maybe there's things that you can do that might let you live this dream as well or whatever your dream might be. And again, to channel it into this, the, the, the oppression and the victimhood is so disheartening. Yeah. So I wish them well. I don't, I don't, I hope that their marriage lasts and that they have a wonderful marriage and that they both can um, take delight in each other. It doesn't seem like the happiest thing going on right now. I mean, by their own, by their own admission, they're, they both claim to be. Miserable. You mean, you mean the relationship with her, with her family and not, you're not talking about. First her, and foremost, I mean, her marriage and her children or yeah. their marriage and their children. That's their most yeah. important job is to keep them happy and healthy and, and flourishing. And then maybe maybe it can go from there and they can heal the wounds with the royal family and heal the wounds with her not so royal family. And I don't know, I don't have, I don't have like high hopes. I just have hope. Well, you ended on such the same kind of optimism you have for for our for our own election <laughs> reform. So <laughs> I'm just so grateful it. that Molly, we were able to use your massive, you know, brain cells to talk about such an important topic here about the royals. Thank oh, you. you for that. Say, when we were talking the other day, we were talking about heavy issues, but nothing excited us quite so much as being able yeah. to talk about. But by the way, for those who don't know, and I'll let you go, Molly. But it was we. This was a in the commercial break on outnumbered Tammy Bruce, me and Molly going off. Um, yeah, nothing excited us more. So I, I said, I have to have Molly on this. Molly, you're so great. Uh, we love everything you do at the Federalist. Um, you are a powerhouse um, on the conservative movement and all of us um, are really proud um, to, to know you, those of us who do know you, but also um, the movement is very lucky to have someone with your intellect and um, achievements. Um, Thank you so that. much and love you guys and love all you do. And thanks uh, thanks for giving me a chance to be on. Thank you, Molly. Thanks, Molly. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, They've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Sean, let's bring in the great Tammy Bruce. Um, Tammy, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. We just had Molly Hemingway on, and she 
sort of, she's very sweet and optimistic and she's wishing the royal couple, or I guess they're not royal anymore, but um, she's nope, wishing Harry not. and Meghan. <laughs> nope, they're not. She's wishing them all the best, sure. um, she says. But she's, you know, she's obviously concerned by, you know, she the, the family tension. Um, and I think it seems like they're, all, all this PR might allude to a little bit of, maybe it's not all so wonderful um, in paradise there in Montecito. So today... Um, is You're so diplomatic, Miss <laughs> yeah, Rachel. No, listen, she she kind of made me feel Molly made me feel bad for all my bad feelings about Meghan Markle. <laughs> Trying to be a little more diplomatic, but I think you'll come in and um, maybe we'll we'll get down to the to the to the real deal here. But so today is the anniversary of the death of Princess Diana. One of the things, Tammy, that has intrigued me um, a lot about Meghan Markle is I think she's obsessed with Diana. And I think a lot of the, I mean, I know that there's been some clothing, um, you know, I, I guess homages to Princess Diana on the part of Kate Middleton, even Melania did that when she visited, um, England, um, on an official visit, but it seems to be a lot more intense with mm. Megan. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I think that, look, we're talking about it now. Uh, it, what was it, a quarter of a century ago? Mm -hmm. uh, clearly right. a woman who, and I think this is why it, it resonates so much. And uh, yes, that some people, and we'll get into uh, the, the Markles in a moment, but it, for my generation, because she was my age, is that mm -hmm. this was a, a young woman who, it really was the fantasy fairy tale. Remember, we did, didn't know anything about every. We had no idea what was going to happen in the future. But it was this great distraction. Um, in the 80s, the nature of what our lives could be, it was a real genuine fairy tale. Um, it, she was beautiful. It was it was remarkable. And we could, in a strange way, we, we couldn't, we could relate to her in the sense of the, the aspirational aspect of anything is possible in the world and that there was somebody we could follow. So for my generation, it was a remarkable thing to watch. But the death as a result was as, if not even more significant, because that was a reminder that in the world, you don't know what's going to happen. Nothing is promised that someone as important like this, just like with the Kennedy assassination, that a dumb thing can happen. But for her, even more so an accident that you are right. not protected that uh, you've got she gets in a car with a driver who was high and drunk and speeding mm -hmm. and her 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 billionaire famous boyfriend put her in that position. Everybody's dead except for the bodyguard, ironically, the only one wearing a seatbelt. And it's it, I remember that that night in particular, I was living in West Hollywood in an apartment, had a friend up. We were watching some movie was doing laundry, which was outside of this apartment, going down the stairs, had to go outside to do the laundry, came back up with the empty laundry basket, and my friend was ashen-faced, looking at the news. And I said, what's wrong? She said, Diane has been in a car wreck. Now, and it's like, um, okay, well, how bad is she hurt? She's dead. Mm. It's like, she's like, what? it's horrible. And, I, and yeah. I, it's an unbelievable kind of thing. Um, but for, in those kinds of moments, it's hard for, I think, younger people to understand because I don't think there's an equivalent that when you've related to someone so much or they became like somebody fun you could follow and you cared about them, uh, that that imagining about who we can become as women. And she was already right. We 
they got a divorce. She was leading her own life. She was making choices yeah. that were best for her, raising her kids really good. The kids seemed really great. And we thought, okay, she's going to pull, she's going to get through this. All of us have to be able to relate to that. Marriages that don't work, relationships that end, bad choices mm-hmm. that are made. And then suddenly she gets killed in, in a dumb freaking car accident. So I think that as we've moved forward here, we're, we still, we've learned a lot about her, the problems, the mental illness, the attempts mm-hmm. to kill herself, uh, yeah. all those things were also important because nobody's life is one dimension. We're all freaking complicated. You know, people know you, both of you, even though there's no food on this kitchen table. They know you. <laughs> they know your family. They know the choices you've made for your children. They know, and that this is, and I get the goosebumps because I think what what you did, Sean, with your family, with how your children need you, that you would walk away from something that most people would consider a dream, but then that child is a freaking dream. Right. Your wife is a dream, and that is what the future is. These are lessons when we watch people like you, for someone like me who comes from a very different world, that this is marriage. Marriage is not a short story. It's a novel. That this is love. And that this is what we ex- thought we were going to have with Diana and be able to have a fun thing through the rest of our lives as we watched her age, as we aged. So we still care. It matters to us. Clearly for her sons, she remains key. And for what? And for, for Harry, as we watched that funeral, William was just old enough, older than Harry, to be able, I think, to have a, an, a different understanding of what occurred and a longer relationship with his mother than Harry did. And then I, you'll, none of us will forget the look on that little baby boy's face walking mm-hmm. down the street and his card on the coffin saying, you know, Mom, and, and you just – for those who've lost a parent in that fashion, mm-hmm. we can never really relate. And then, you know, there is what we see manifesting with uh, even Kate. I mean, Kate, be- God, did William score. Yeah, he did. Oh, my goodness, yeah. did he score. Thank God for the for the commoners because that's was her world. But she, too, wears Diana's rings. The, the main important, I think it's, a, I don't know, it's a sapphire ring that was always identified with Diana. She wears that all the time. She wears some of Diana's jewelry. But And those are important. So what you do with your family with something that's been handed down. Um, uh, and then there's Harry, who I think still has never recovered, as some of us haven't, from the fact that the Foyle family was unable to protect her, that this happened at all, uh, the treatment of her by the royal family. His relationship with that, clearly different than William's, or at least has dealt with it differently. Yeah, he seems more angry about it um, and, and that it seethes more and that it's more on the surface. And maybe a little bit is that because... Maybe because, as you as you pointed out, Tammy, that his William was a little older mm-hmm. and maybe a little had a little bit more of that stoic royal family. Well, his relationship it. with his grandmother right. and his and his parents were different right. because he was the heir. But, but and so Harry is not in that more position. Diana, more emotional, right? And is that what we're seeing here? Well, Does, and, and is, also is that, her relationship. Is that the manifestation yeah. of uh, his decisions, whether it was marrying Meghan Markle, the Megxit, um, and and I think these decisions to to go, you know, make a book, mm-hmm. and tell all book, and all mm-hmm. the stuff in the interviews that are so enraging in his family. Yes, I think that it's 
look, my my education, my degree is in political science and the psychology of political science. What interests me is, and people see it in my work, why we do what we do. There's always yes. a reason. Uh, and in this particular case, I think it's pretty uh, on its face, pretty obvious. And also Diana's relationship with her younger son, who was the spare, right? She could relate to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was no mission for him. Uh, he found it in the military, clearly heroic, I think, work going to Afghanistan. So Harry was making certain kinds of choices. But I think that when you if you see your family in a certain way, and if Lord knows it's the royal family, it's completely different anyway. And there's going to be, I think, an anger as he also, as an adult, no doubt, reads the Andrew Morton book, looks at her interviews, uh, realizes what this woman was going through as he looks at his mother now as a grown man. And then, uh, look, um, I, I don't know Meghan Markle. What we do know is that what they've done since they've been married is she seems to have moved through this framework of adopting that attitude. And we've seen the rhetoric I, and what he's talked about, about her being hounded by the paparazzi, her not being treated well by the royal family. These are things that his mother experienced. Right. And uh, her, uh, you know, having a lot to give, but but no one's treating her with the respect she deserves. That was his mother as well. Right. Uh, uh, you know, a, a, a beautiful girl who uh, wants to do more with her life. That was his mother as well. Um, but is it a fair analogy, Tammy? I mean, is it? Yes, is absolutely. You, you, you I, I, so? I wouldn't say so because we're grasping at straws here. This is from their own approach. They're approaching the royal family as Diana did at the end. Uh, her rhetoric and her sensibilities about what uh, what's fair, being a perpetual victim. Now, with Diana, you know, she had some s- significant uh, mental health issues, which she was working on. Uh, and Lord knows in this world who wouldn't be going a little nuts. Um, but what we're seeing in their own behavior, their own interviews, their own rhetoric, their own complaints are almost identical to his mother's. And are you saying those are actually legitimate complaints? Because, you know, it, again, I don't know the, the the Diana story as well as you do. I was a little bit younger when, mm-hmm. but I, obviously I, I followed it to some degree. Mm-hmm. It seemed like Diana's complaints were legitimate. Yes. Right? But it well, seems like... Yes. It, it, like it, it, Charles, it's like Charles and Camilla. Camilla. Yes. It's horrible. Is it, it, are yeah, you saying that it's is, it's fair that, that Harry and, and Meghan can make that same comparison, that they were treated so horribly? No. no. Well, no. Uh, see, see, this is why it's when we deal with issues of projection and perhaps even manipulation, but we don't know these individuals. That's what's fascinating is the royal family, certainly the Queen Mother and Charles, Everyone learned a lot. Right. Everyone understood the world had changed, and it was forced on them. Uh, and that was probably one of Diana's biggest last gifts to the British people. Um, and so now, but you've got a young man who still has not come to terms with what had happened to his mother, which were horrible things. I mean, look, the boy seemed fine with Camilla, but I'm thinking like how their mother was handled. I would have remained angry. Right. Um, but I, again, I, I, I don't know them, but from – from what we can glean and from what his behavior has been and who he also chose, an interesting choice that he would choose her. Uh, and and it would be literally a statement about breaking away, which is also what his mother tried to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dodi Fayed, right, a man of color, a Muslim in that case, a man who would absolutely – the heads would explode right over at, at the palace. But, but 
that so is actions he leading, is he leading his his mother's life then in a way is he fulfilling the the end of her life by saying you know what I am going to complete this I am yes, going to make exactly. this separation I, I think I am, yes I think is, so I think I think that there's we all adopt and this is why I'm looking forward to seeing your kids grow up and we all you know for those who have children I regret not having children but they become it's not only genetically like you but we are creatures of the influence of our environment and of the values that are taught to us. This is why the school fight is so important and the school boards and the parents being active is important. It's why the left is doing what it's doing because they know parents matter in this regard. Mm -hmm. So you've got two boys and Harry was old enough to know uh, what his mother was going through at the time, a divorce. I mean, from the freaking king, he's going to be the king. These boys experienced that. They experienced her dating other men. They, they, they went through that. And then, of course, as I've noted, what they would have learned as they aged, right. which is a cons- very different dynamic. And Harry, you know, I think uh, Kate has been an incredibly uh, good influence on William, uh, yes. as has the, 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 the queen. Uh, but we, it clearly seems that, William, that Harry had a different relationship. And yes, he is going to continue to defend his mother, accomplish what her goal may have been. Of which she had stated she didn't think uh, Charles should be king, William should move, move immediately to the throne, uh, that the royal family, you know, was perhaps passe. But remember, she comes from the Spencers, which also argued that they had a claim to the throne. Mm-hmm. So they were pretenders to the throne as well. So she wasn't some girl he plucked out of obscurity. Um, right. Uh, and so this is a very—both uh, lines are, are very deep-rooted in uh, the monarchical fights of England— uh, and I think that she was this unknown factor. She shouldn't have been. Uh, but uh, as a modern woman, um, she was – this is where the the turn was made. This is the inflection point. And I think, yes, Sean, that um, uh, Harry is going to still get justice for his mother. And I think Meghan Markle, she is her own woman. And so the choices that she's making to almost attempt – to embody that clearly has to affect her husband. But look, you two, I would have to say, you every partnership, you are with someone because you like them, you admire them, you want to please them. You notice what they like, what haircuts, what manner, what for dinner, what you adjust yourselves to each other. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's, so, so that, that's such a great, but it's such a great point. So Sean, and I always say the most important decision you make in your life is who you bury it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that. And, and I, and I think so much of what you're saying is so insightful, but also it, Sean, I've seen this in, 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 in our own marriage and observing other people's marriages, the person you marry can make you a better or a worse person. Correct. And so I look at, say you bring up Kate a lot. Um, and I think it's a great example. She, I think, um, you know, brought a sensibility, but she still remains. And look, she's British. So she, the, the loving the monarchy and, and wanting to see it, you know, continue is, is, you know, a British thing. It's not an American thing. It's something we don't understand. I think about, oh, I, lo- I love the British family. I love the monarchy. I, I know, but I think about I, the kind of sacrifices that I made Tammy, mm-hmm. um, as a wife, 
mm-hmm. so that Sean could be a congressman, events I didn't want to be at and things. I mean, I, I consider that part of my service to my country as well. And, and, and the kind of time that Sean took away from our kids, mm-hmm. service to country. She's not, I mean, I can understand the frustration of being an American and not really knowing and loving and understanding that 1200 year history of tradition. But don't you do that, that before you marry? Isn't that where you decide uh, agreed, this agreed. is I'm great? Her, I can I'm do this. Gonna, I agree. But I'm saying I can understand that maybe she doesn't have the same sense of duty as Kate. Oh, of course but not. Yes, you're right. This. You're right. Do you get what I'm saying? But I think that the worst tendencies that she has in her own family and, and Molly and I talked about, uh, you know, how she's I think she seems embarrassed of her. Meghan Markle seems embarrassed of her own family, wants to shut them out. Mm-hmm. I think that. You know, a good wife goes, hey, I know your family's not perfect, Harry. Um, I get it. But this is important. There's a 1200 year history. We can try and make this work. Blah, 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 blah. I I don't know. I just I think what they had in common was that it wasn't great for them. That was what partly they had in common. You mean both of their families were not great? Well, well, that that the royal family was not the thing that mattered. Just like with Diana and Harry could have been acting on this when she when she was choosing uh, Dodie Fayed, that that these were statements about, yes, she would be the mother of the king eventually, but she didn't care. And I think that that is what has been continued here. But is it? But it's I, again, I'm not a great observer of the of this story, but it seems like. They, it's just human. It's it just does, human, human it nature. It does matter to them because they're, they're building a life around. Yeah. You know, telling oh, but, stories but no, no, but see that the, talking because about of the, it. I think it's because of the con- But that's the point. It's the convenience. When you've got an identity that is tied into something, and this is, was their original plan. They were going to market being the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, and the the yeah. palace put a stop to that. The plan was to get all the benefit of the association. But with with none of the responsibility or the pressure or the buying into it. In fact, Diana was doing part of that as well. Uh, and, And so you've got and it's when that's what you come from, you can't blame them. They wanted to, I think, shift it into an American sensibility. We want who we are, but we're going to do it in Malibu. Uh, And, you know, it's not that modern. And if if it's that modern, it's not the monarchy. And I think that the British monarchy in particular, just culturally, clearly, uh, is important and gives a sense of stability. It's why, look, they had a war and they they killed the king and they were going to be a republic or whatever. And that didn't work out so well. And they brought the other king back. Right. So uh, they tried to to change that. Uh, But so I think that this is uh, uh, this. That was their point, is that they want the things they liked about that, the titles, the treatment. And that was one of, I think, Megan, uh, one of her main complaints was that she wasn't being treated uh, as well, either as Kate or as other people. But she doesn't realize that there's no equity here. Kate's going to be the queen. Kate is is the mother now of the next king. Kate is not you. This is, this is, you know, you're not in the equity fight at a company. Uh, You aren't the same. Uh, But you've married a man you love. That is the point. You've married the man you've loved. It seems that she's operating in some senses that she bought that she got a job uh, and it comes with a husband and they are they are agreeing. And then that's now it's not working. It came with a husband. Yeah, Uh, it seems like that, doesn't it? Yeah. I I will say this. I I find her. I find Meghan Markle insufferable 
and fascinating all at the same time. Um, I find her annoying and yet I can't look away. And part of it is, I see now. I don't know. Maybe you'll be the the I don't the next spouse. It's hard to say because I may Harry may feel the same way. He may feel exactly I, the same way. Whoa, 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 whoa! She's she's got one she spouse. I know that's right. Sorry. sorry, this one will stick. This marriage is clearly going to stick. I, she I can't get rid of me. She has she has a gorgeous house that I would say is more beautiful and more. Uh, I'd rather live there than Buckingham Palace, which seems kind of stodgy. I, I imagine it's probably cold in the winter and it's drafty and, and it's got all this. I mean, do you get what I'm saying? I think she, mm-hmm. even though they said, yeah, you can't say you're the Duchess of Sussex or whatever. She is. I mean, by, by all intents and purposes, she is getting the the money and the fame. And she says in her interview with The Cut, you know, that she's mm-hmm. very aware that little girls say, oh, my gosh, there's a princess in the room. People, what? even she just, yeah, yes. Oh, that's what, that's what she's telling herself. Well, <laughs> okay. but also she said that's she funny. went to, a, this, is, this is really interesting. They're she not said thinking that, honey. In, in Montecito, <laughs> she went to a birthday party um, for a little toddlers in the neighborhood, some mm-hmm. kid. And she said the other moms were surprised, you know, that she would actually go, but she did. And at one Why point- Why were they surprised? Into- because she was running England? I mean, well, what, what? I don't know. She's but she was. She's ima- I have princess. to tell you, she's imagining some of these things, dude. This yeah. is so interesting. <laughs> so she says she's in the bouncy castle. Yes. Right? She's mm-hmm. in the bouncy castle yes. getting her child. Mm-hmm. And this mom is looking in, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like looking in because her child's in there. Mm-hmm. And she basically says, hey, did you want to come in? And the woman said, I didn't know I could. You know, like, so like people still kind of, she perceives people see her as the princess. Am I allowed to come in the bouncy castle? Because, you know, she's the princess. You, know, you get what I'm saying? She's very aware of or believes that all, all of this mm-hmm. is around her. And she wouldn't be getting a gazillion dollars from Netflix <clears throat> or Spotify. And she wouldn't be beating out Joe Rogan right now in Spotify well, but, but let, if let's, she wasn't that person. That, no, that's, yes, that's what she's telling herself. There's cu- the curiosity factor. Uh, we found that out with the woman who's replacing Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. Huge ratings that first night. And then it was like down 50% the right. next time. So, of course, anything new you're going to watch to see, you know, what's going on because you're, you're curious. I think that that uh, won't last because of the insufferability mm. aspect. Um, also, there's not uh, – the perspective a person has has to be valuable based on life experience and who you are and what you've done. Like what is this person going to say that might give me some information that I'll find useful? That's how I look at my background. So I don't consider my time on the left as a complete waste is that it can be used to at least illuminate some, of the, oh, yeah. some of the things that are happening. And, and so that's kind of our job. Uh, both of you have that job. Your life experience is key. And, and so clearly she tells herself these things. Uh, and that is part of the insufferability. Uh, the woman perhaps thought that only one adult was allowed in the bouncy castle at a time because it wasn't giant. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, it's, it, but that's also part of the, the narcissism. People think narcissism is that you think you're great. That's not true. Narcissism is brought on actually by negative childhood uh, influences and it is a point of view where you believe that everything that's happening is happening because of you. Mm. What you've just described is an example of that, um, that she sees all of these behaviors as because of her. Uh, and it's rooted usually usually in the negative. Uh, it, like if you are on the highway and someone cuts in front of you, 
the feeling is, oh, they meant to do that to me, that this is personal. No, maybe they're rushing to get to the hospital because they're having a heart attack. Or if somebody takes your parking space, that they meant to do that because you're a woman or, or whatever, or because you've got a, you know, a Trump bumper sticker on. Or, you, no, maybe they just saw that and they didn't even see you. So this is the kind of narcissism where the world is about you. Things that happen are about you and because of you. Uh, and usually it's the negative. Which is which makes you a victim, that you weren't you weren't treated a certain way, as opposed to maybe somebody was busy with something else, and then it had nothing to do with you, and and so for her, she reinforces victimhood, she reinforces the romance of it, she reinforces the empowerment of victimhood, and makes it something that appeals to other people. This is the whole left, this this empowering aspect of victimhood that your identity. This is why we have the fake. Uh, hate crimes. Right. Because it, it, it is an, it's the Jesse Smollett thing. He was going to get more money if he was a victim. Um, so this is what we have to, especially with children, uh, of, a, of an attitude that we see propagating. And she gets money from Netflix, all that money, because they figure, look, they've got a profile. They're going to be right on the issues. Um, uh, they're going to be evangelists for all, all things left. And so that mm-hmm. is the way to move that kind of money to these individuals. Uh, they'll find uh, that perhaps oh, already one of her animated shows on Netflix was cut Canceled. from uh, the, the program. Uh, and I think that there's going to be some awareness that this has been uh, perhaps not a good investment. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every Life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. So I think just as a culture, we're not better off because of this couple. And it goes to your point, this, this victimhood. And, and I wonder if we're just stupid as Americans to look at this, this couple that, as Rachel mentioned, lives in this $14 million mansion. They fly on private jets. They have assistance in their home to help raise their two <laughs> mm-hmm. kids. And they're victims? I mean, the victimhood sales is unbelievable. And if Meghan Markle can be a victim... Anybody can. We're all, we're, we're all victims. If well, she's a point. victim, right? And then yes. we all can trade on victimhood, and the society rots as a as a result. You know, it's harder to, and this is what they would have to do, is separating themselves from the strength of the identity of being with all the charities and all their work for the royal family. Because like he can't do his military stuff. That was important to him. And this is a problem that Americans it's, – it's a problem and it's, it's something that you can ha- – you get in America because there are many opportunities, is having to decide who am I and what am I going to do. Normally, college provides that to us. Mm-hmm. But if you're, if you're stuck in being a hunter-gatherer in this economy, 
it keeps you from having to worry about that when you're worrying about how am I going to get the baby formula? How am I going to get to work? The Markles don't have to worry about that. No. So here they are. Uh, and if in the real world, they, they sh- should be – and they have the freedom to think, how can I – what do – how can I contribute to the benefit of everyone? What can I provide? What can I start up that makes something different and better? And it's not conversations about – uh, how uh, horrible other people are or about your victimhood or about what you're trying to do. Again, remember, it's the narcissism. Everything has to revolve around her. The more interesting thing, and I think this is where Oprah Winfrey really became powerful, was Oprah, at least certainly, you know, not recently necessarily, but Oprah provided a, a dynamic that involved and it was about other people, that it was conversations mm-hmm. about agree. other people's lives that she was genuinely interested in that audience, that, yes, she was the host and amazing, but it was never about uh, – it was never a, a soliloquies about her struggle. Um, it was about her success and about how can other people yes. be successful. It was about yes. others. And that's – no matter who you are, that's hard to develop because you have to really mean it. Right. You can't fake that. Right. You can't. And then you could – maybe you, like, get bored with that and lose it and decide politics is more important or whatever – um, but that is the power of of that. And the other people, you like the um, uh, the Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, is that you you know they're powerful athletes. They're the most some of the most important athletes in in the world, and they focus on their success and on their family and their their on their work and on their philanthropy. And you don't hear them. They're not in the news complaining. And they're working for something for the – and even her – maybe she won't retire, but her retirement is for family was her argument. Right. So this reinforces you know, the nature of how you can – whether it's through sports or whether it's through philanthropy or whether it's through business or whatever you do, they can't do that. And either they're going to have to try or they're going to um, stay in this and this will begin to fail. It will peter out. It will. So Tammy, she interviewed in her first podcast – um, Serena Williams, the second podcast, and we'll see if the ratings drop off or not, um, is very interesting. She uh, interviewed Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. and it was fascinating to me because Mariah Carey is somebody who really embraces her divaness. Mm-hmm. And there was an interesting conversation where Megan was trying to, you know, this whole idea of her podcast is to like sort of take away the stigma of words like, you know, um, ambition that's associated with women and then it's negative if it's a woman and not with a man. And so she tried to do this with the word diva. And I think she was expecting Mariah to sort of, you know, disassociate herself from the word diva. And instead she said, Oh, come on, Megan, you give diva, you give us diva moments. Don't, don't act like you don't. And then Megan admits later on in the interview when she sort of, after she says goodbye to, uh, to, to Mariah Carey, she says, oh, I, when I heard that, I got really, you know, she got kind of offended. She said she was quietly rebelling. But then Megan, uh, I mean, Mariah Carey in the actual interview said, oh, well, you know, I'm just talking about your clothes. And then, of course, then Megan Markle is relieved and says, oh, yeah, she's just talking about me being fabulous with my wardrobe and not that I'm a diva. And I think why people are fascinated by um Meghan Markle and find her so insufferable and have this love-hate relationship with her because she just seems so like not self-aware like 
obviously she's a diva, um, lover or hater, and at least Mariah Carey embraces it. Well, there's a difference. I think the difference between the two women is one is self-aware and one is not, right? One right. knows what she's doing and has a reason for doing it and has a plan and is her own person. Uh, Meghan Markle married well. She was an actress. Uh, maybe she hadn't thought about what was past that, but it's about a public persona. And I think for her, it's still about a persona. I, when you get older, you can have a persona. Uh, I suppose who would be a very good example of that? Like Cher, who just right, is also insufferable. Oh um, but talk about a persona. A woman who says things and, you know, is she's real. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a different kind of thing where you can recognize where you've failed and, you know, still not know what's wrong sometimes and, You've had an incredible family history and, you know, dealing with all kinds of family stuff. But you've you've got you've got a persona, but you've got a real person who understands that that's what it is. I don't think Meghan Markle has that awareness yet. And yet, is she now 40? She's how old is she? She's older than Harry. Yeah, she's a little bit older. I think she may be. Don't ask me, Tammy. I don't know. I think she's old enough to where if she's going to understand the difference, she would have understood it by now. But she's still, um, and it could be because as we opened, that her identity. She's 41. She's 41. So her identity, it could be, is still, even privately, is still wrapped up in someone other than herself Mm. by choice. And so when you're wrapped up in, uh, in this other drama, uh, as uh, separately for her husband or with her husband, that you're going to have less time or less interest because maybe you don't trust what it is you'll find mm. when you look to yourself. That being the the next embodiment of Diana is a pretty heady thing. And it's you've got to have that not matter. It, you can't because then you'll never find yourself. And it's not – I'm not saying – look, as somebody who I think I've I've found myself, there is great things with that. And then there's then there's things you just have to accept. Right. And you, when yeah. you when you get to that point, it's like everything's yeah. okay because that is the yeah. point. This is a woman, and perhaps Harry not so much, um, but she's not going to have a sense of self uh, because she doesn't live in that. And perhaps this is the issues with her own family, her father. Um, you know, we all have that in some way. Like, who are we going to be separate what? from our father? Are we going to be separate from our mother? You know, like you two, you are going to have some rebelling because uh, your, their natures uh, inevitably will not be yours. There's an yeah. expectation that parents are perfect and that that they'll be disappointing and they will disappoint you and you will disappoint them. Right. And yeah. and those are those are the times when love love is that glue is that bridge. Um, uh, but if the bridge only goes internal, that's where the narcissism is. It's where you're looking to yourself. And looking to others doesn't uh, doesn't really manifest very well. So where does this all end for Mar- for for Meghan Markle, for Harry, for their marriage, but also for the monarchy, who seems very very nervous and on edge about what this couple will do next to make money? I think that they know that the big struggle with with the monarchy has been done because they took a stand. Part of that interview, I think, Rachel was something, or, or, or we'd heard recently that that Harry or Meghan repeated this that he said that it ruined his relationship with his father, this marriage. Right. So 
clearly they try to walk it back. They well, it yeah, back. that that was just the kind of thing. Yeah. Americans, this whole trashing of your family, Americans just don't like it because we all have secrets mm-hmm. and we all. But we saw that it was mm-hmm. like, what is that? So that continues. The the clearly the royal family has adjusted to it and they've adapted and they've made their choices. They have, and thank goodness they have. Every family has to. Uh, and so Will they cut them off, though, Tammy, because uh, the British press, um, if you look at all the comments, and I love the comments on the Daily Mail, mm-hmm. they're all saying the Brits are like, cut them off, cut them off, like because they have some sort of like they're, they're not d- Duchess and Duke, but yeah, they have some. Charles some sort of- is. Charles has access to certain things that he then can distribute as he wishes. And look, at some point he will be king. And so we, there's certain lands and things and money that he can. I don't mean money. I'm sorry, Tammy. Let me clear that up. You mean to cut I them mean, off completely as royal? Correct. That's what the British, you know, the, the British, a lot of Brits think. If you go to the mm-hmm. comment section, mm-hmm. it's filled with them saying, cut them out of the family. They're just a cancer. They're, 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 they're going to bring down the monarchy, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And people are upset. Like you said, when you talk about family, I mean, the queen is very old. This has to be distressing to her. Oh, yeah. And just the, uh, during this time when she had the COVID and then the husband dies mm-hmm. and then they're they're doing their shenanigans still. They're doing this to her at this point in her life. But you know what? She's probably one of the strongest women in the world. Certainly mm. without being involved in state matters, one of the most powerful women in the world. She has seen yeah. everything, including destroying her own sister's life. Because of protocol, when her own sister yeah. Margaret fell in love with the wrong man, and uh, that uh, you know that that those were she's about the firm, she's about the monarchy, mm-hmm. and uh, that's a good thing. And of course, but this will really fall on is William, uh, Charles to some degree, but William and Kate, uh, and they are loved. It's a great family. The kids are terrific, uh, and I don't think that that the Markles are going to damage the monarchy. I just people don't like them. They don't trust them. They liked and trusted Diana, and they know that oh, none that of these people are her. And that is still like now as we have the anniversary, people are reflecting on Diana, who represents something very different. Uh, even at her worst, Diana, with the exception of speaking secretly to um, Morton, who did the book, uh, is she would never. And then that BBC interview which now we know she was extorted to do, but she was never like this. We did not know what was happening with her. And so there was some uh, understanding of her role, because again, because her her, her, her own family. Um, so the British and Americans are going to be reminded who Meghan Markle is not during this anniversary. And uh, they'll find their, all of us find our level. We might be living in a, an apartment or in a mansion in Montecito, but as we found, uh, that does not necessarily make you happy. I think it's fascinating. Mm. As you talk about this family, the, 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 the themes that come up are really themes of a lot of families. That's correct. It's yeah. it's really interesting as you're talking about this. And I'll look at our own family. And like, listen, we have a great family, but no kid's the same. They're all mm-hmm. raised in the same environment. And they have different ideas and thoughts and views. And you know, some think it's great. Some think it's not as great as the others do. It's a fascinating mm-hmm. You know, family it's dynamic. It's got to be nerve-wracking to have children, and they, like, are separate humans. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah. I don't even know how you do that, man. The same yeah. genes, <laughs> the same home, and just wildly different kids, and what you see here with the royal family as well. Can I tell you, when you mentioned the um, the 25, 25th anniversary mm-hmm. of 
um, of Diana's death. What it means to me is that happened the next day, which would be tomorrow, 25th anniversary. I got on an air. I got on an airplane. You're right. And mm-hmm. the day after that, I met Rachel for the first time wow. on camera. Wow. So this anniversary of 20, I've, I've known this Rachel was my, 25 years. This was my years. wedding day wow. today. And then I got on a plane the next day. And the day after that is we, it was because I was doing the road rules on MTV. And that's where I met Sean in our first meeting, Tammy, is um, on camera. I mean, the first time we met, we have it on tape. It's fascinating how... From one moment to the next, you have no idea, and how the steps leading up to that moment matter, and and the mm-hmm. things that happen around it are triggers. It's, it's, it's yes, interesting. of course, and and you're right because what it comes down to, even this conversation, there's various different levels of wealth, of fame, but at the end of the day, at night, the issues are the same. Who am I? Yeah. Who am am I loved? How can I mm. be loved more? Yeah. What's happening with my children? And how do, am I relating with other people? And no yep. matter where you are, everyone listening to this, we all live in different kinds of places. It's the same thing at the end of the night. We take off our makeup. You know, we're doing, we're busy with other different things. And we're thinking, at least I think most of us do. Did we do a good job today? Um, That's right. Uh, did we say the right things? Am I, uh, do I know what's going to happen? How can I handle tomorrow? And accepting of what went well, what did not. But mostly it's, like today, oh, I'm going to get to see you guys, and except for you, you know, um, except for Molly and every. Yeah. But it's like looking. It's about people and who we are becoming. It can be a good experience, or it can be a bad one. And it, at the end of the day, it's there's some honesty in that. What did I do well today? What did I kind of fail at? What can I do better at tomorrow? Yeah. And hopefully, people have those thoughts. Maybe it's not every night, but mm-hmm. you know, on a continuing basis. I, listen, I, there has to be some improvement in some of the, the things that I'm doing, and that's the human, uh, hopefully, the human nature, the positive uh, human think, nature of self-reflection. And I think, that, and I think that the 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 reason we're fascinated with this story um, is that ultimately it all comes down to family and love, right? And mm-hmm, all of us have had mm-hmm. tensions in our family, falling outs with our family, reconciliations with our family. That moment where we grow and we learn to accept them, or they learn to accept us. Or, you know, all of this stuff, in the end, they are royalty, but in the end, they're just humans who have a family. Um, and, 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 and I think that's what we all relate to. And I think, Tammy, you um, are such a wise woman. It's, it's why I love you. I also love that you are sort of like the, 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 the horse whisperer for us conservatives to understand liberals. Um, and also, I think in an interesting way, as much as you point out the differences and the mindset um, be, behind so many of the liberal things that uh, you know, you, I, and Sean are very concerned about. In the end, you also bring about what we all have in common. And I think in this story in particular, um, I can't tell you, I, I didn't know where this conversation was going to go with you. Um, and I flipping have loved this conversation because you have such a deep knowledge um, of of the pop cultural um, and, and and you know impact of Diana of the royal family. Um, but also this new iteration through Harry and Meghan. And it gets, I, I, I'm feeling like a little bit at the end, maybe a little bit like the way I felt with Molly. Like I should have a little more compassion um, for this family and maybe not delight so much in all the drama um, that, it, that, that the Daily Mail sends me every day. Mm-hmm. Um, that in the end, they're just humans. They are, but we all make choices. Mm-hmm. And That's right. observing the bad choices helps us know, because I did this, I did not have a lot of uh, adult supervision. 
I learned about human behavior through biographies and through uh, my favorite writer, Ray Bradbury, issues of ethics and all of that came from other people, came from written things, came from observation. So it, it does matter. And critiquing bad behavior matters. Uh, and I think that for a lot of young people, it's important that we don't we don't elevate this in a way that um, would influence their thinking this is the way to behave. What I my, my couple of takeaways here is one, I'm always fascinated of the breadth of topics that Tammy Bruce can talk about. <laughs> she, she, she goes on all it's like what can't she talk about intelligently on and that's the, my first thought. And the second thought is some of the great minds at Fox News that we can spend an hour and talk about the royal family because yeah. nothing else is going on in America. There's no other issues the for us. falling apart. But we... <laughs> but we have time to talk about the issues that truly matter to American lives. And American families. American families is we're like struggling and you don't have time to think sometimes. And yet it is at the end of the day and you're f- trying to figure out like the baby formula crisis. It's like yeah. you, then you do begin to think, how did I vote last time? Um, you know, how uh, can we yeah. live a better way? What kind of economic choices? Like, because this this too shall pass. Right. And this is a chances that we have uh, to decide uh, the you know what we're going to do to help our families and to help ourselves. I love it. Tammy yeah, Bruce. choices, as you said, choices, choices we make in our families, choices we make at the ballot box, mm-hmm. um, and learning from the mistakes mm-hmm. of the past mm-hmm. um, and trying to fix them. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't tell you enough how much I love talking to you, Tammy. You're, you, we've known each other for quite a while, mm-hmm. and um, you know I, I just admire you so much. Well, so you I, guys I'm are so great. Grateful. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for joining us at the kitchen table, talking about the royal family, the mm-hmm. many the many pages of Tammy Bruce. Uh, if you like our podcast, uh, please download, rate, subscribe to From the Kitchen Table, and you'll get more insightful, hard-hitting topics like the royal family, not just today, but in future <laughs> episodes as well. Thank you for mm-hmm. joining us at the oh, kitchen table. Oh, and don't table. forget to hit Tammy. Tammy, you're still on Fox Nation yeah. with your uh, Get Tammy Bruce. That's my show on Fox Nation. So if you're mm-hmm. a member of Fox Nation, look for me there. And if you're not, join up with Fox Nation because there's all kinds of other great programming. Sign up. There you go. Tammy Bruce and From the Kitchen Table. Thank you. Until next time, bye-bye. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.